Well, welcome back. So good to be here with you. And uh, last week we closed out a series called Limits. And uh, man, it was one of my favorites yet. And I think this one might top it. Uh, tonight we're starting a new series called Through the Dark. In fact, it was pretty dark in here. So uh, this will be a relevant series, I'm sure. Uh, but Through the Dark, Becoming Confident uh, Decision Makers. Uh, any of you ever felt uh, uh, like you lack confidence in a tough decision, right? Like we uh, probably all have been there. And so uh, maybe, maybe uh, this is a message that's for you. Because tonight we're going to look at man, how you can be, become uh, wise, the starting point of wisdom. And, uh, and this is really a series about wisdom because wisdom is the thing that allows us to, to move confidently through our doubts, uh, through, uh, through dark seasons, uh, and through difficult decisions. And, uh, and so, man, if, if, man, if we could become people who, who were wise in our decision-making, uh, man, we'd be decisive, impacting. And so I'm so excited to talk about wisdom for the next few weeks. And just so you know what's coming up, uh, next week we're going to be talking about wisdom for the fork in the road. Uh, then the week after that, wisdom and messy relationships. Everybody say messy. Me- relationships are messy, are they not? And then the last week, wisdom uh, with our words. Sometimes it's just hard to know what to say. And so I'm so looking forward to talking about wisdom uh, because people who are wise are confident decision makers. Uh, they walk down the right path. Uh, with, with a great measure of confidence. Now, uh, uh, when I thought about uh, what, uh, how we should um, uh, de- describe wisdom, I remembered that owls are the symbol for wisdom. You guys are familiar with that? Uh, from ancient Greek times to uh, Winnie the Pooh and the wise old owl, the owl has represented wisdom. You guys know who? Who, who is that the name? The owl? Yeah. It was just named owl, right? <laughs> uh, uh, but uh, it's the symbol of wisdom, which is weird, right? Because I, I, I learned... Uh, at the bird show at the Chaffee Zoo, we go to the zoo uh, at least once a week with my kids, and they love the bird show. It says, bird show, right? And like, uh, anyway, so we go to the bird show, and there's an owl that swoops over your heads. It's really beautiful, really majestic. It, it looks really intelligent. You know that owls, are, apparently, they tell me every time I go to the bird show, owls are the stupidest birds at the zoo. Did you, know, did you guys know that? Uh, isn't that interesting? Uh, and uh, I was like, oh, that's, that's good, good to know. Uh, owls are not aware of the surroundings. They're not good at problem solving. Uh, they get stuck in traps. Owls are not. Uh, not so uh, smart. And, uh, and so it's interesting that uh, they're a symbol for wisdom. And so I began to ask the question, why are owls a symbol of wisdom if they're stupid? <laughs> and, uh, and here's what I found out. Uh, you, you can get a lot of information from Google, can you not? And so uh, here's why um, owls have been a symbol of wisdom. First, uh, owls are awake when everybody else is slumber, slumbering, right? We're, when, when other people are asleep, they're awake and alert. The second reason is this. Uh, owls are able to navigate the darkness. They're, they're functional uh, when other people don't have vision uh, and, and when other people cannot see. And, and, and oftentimes, uh, that's really what wisdom looks like. It's, it's this ability to move through the dark, uh, this ability to, uh, to move the dark uh, in, in the right path without stumbling. And, and that's really what I'd like to talk with you about tonight and, and for the next uh, few weeks. Now, if you're going to grow in wisdom, you have to start in the right place. And so I thought we would uh, look at a starting point uh, that, that we find in, in the scriptures. Now, uh, we often find that people make a mistake when they are trying to become wise. In fact, did you know that there are lots of old people that lack wisdom? Uh, it's, it's so, it's so uh, interesting because uh, we think that wisdom comes from life experience, right? You learn from your experiences and then you know the right way the next time. But, but isn't it so funny how, uh, how often we make the same mistakes over and over and over again? And, and our understanding somehow doesn't really seem to resolve our mistake making. Isn't that interesting? And, and that's because there's a lack of wisdom. And in fact, you can live your whole life and never become wise. And, and here's why. This is the mistake that we often make in trying to become confident, confident decision makers. It's this. We think that, that when, uh, when we, we understand more, when we know more, then we'll be more confident. 
We, we think that when we understand more, then when we know more, then we'll be more confident. And, and what you find is that the more you know, the, the less confident you actually feel. Uh, but, but, but here's what happens. We start looking for, for answers, right? We're looking for understanding. We're, we are data gatherers, are we not? You guys, uh, uh, you guys with me? It's like uh, we, we look for more experience. We look for uh, facts. We look uh, for uh, better strategies. Uh, we read lots of lists on Facebook about dating and, and, uh, and how, to, uh, how to deal with a boring professor. You guys, are you guys with me, right? And, and we look for uh, an understanding, for an answer uh, to our questions and our decision making. But, but understanding, understanding is not the starting point of wisdom uh, because knowing the right thing doesn't make you wise. And, and here's an example from my own life. I, 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 think, I was thinking about my, my biggest mistakes and, uh, and stupidest decisions as a teenager. And what I began to realize, uh, I don't know if you, if you take stock of your stupid decisions, is that uh, in, in all of my worst mistakes, I really understood that what I was doing was not a good, a good uh, idea. Uh, like the, the, DAC, the, the stack was, the deck was stacked against me uh, oh my gosh, the deck was stacked against me uh, in, in the decision that I was making that it probably wouldn't work out the way that I was hoping it would work out. For example, uh, in, in high school as a 17-year-old, we had this English class, and we read this book called The Poisonwood Bible. Anybody, anybody ever read it? Real sad book. And, uh, but we had to do a project on this book, The Poisonwood Bible, so we decided we were going to film with sock puppets a scene from the book. Now, here's the scene from the book. Are you guys with me? Uh, the, in, in the book, there's a scene where, where the villain, he's in the top of a tower, and, and it's surrounded, and so he, he burns the tower down with himself in it, right? So we're like, we'll do that scene. <laughs> we'll, we'll burn the tower down. Sock puppets, lots of gasoline, uh, Lincoln Log Tower, uh, 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 underneath uh, a patio overhang, uh, and, and so we're like, ah, this will be, be good. So we got the camera set up on a tripod because it's before iPhones. And, uh, uh, well, yeah, before iPhones. And, uh, and so we're, we're doing this thing, and, and it's a good thing we were by the pool because when we, we lit the trail of gasoline and it, and it caught Max's tube sock arm, it was like his arm was a fireball, like, like it was like Mega Man's gun just shooting a blast. And, uh, and uh, instantly all of his facial hair was gone. Uh, and he was in the pool. So he, he pops up out of the pool and the, the tube sockets and tatters. And, and here's the deal. Uh, uh, not a good outcome, right? But, but here's the crazy thing, right? We, we knew that playing with fire was dangerous. Uh, we, we also understood uh, that setting your friend on fire is not a good idea. And, and, and yet the house almost burns down. Max almost loses his arm, loses all his facial hair. Right? And here's the kicker. Uh, I was so nervous about doing this because I knew it was not a good idea that I forgot to hit record. Isn't that so sad? So no A, no A on the project, and uh, it was all for naught. They still uh, um, don't like me uh, for that, that mistake. Uh, well, they, I don't know, they, they, they hold it against me. Anyway, uh, but, but here's, here's the point. We, uh, we often find that uh, we, we understand plenty to make a good decision, and yet we still make the wrong decision. M- most of us have had this experience, have we not? Not the, not the fireball experience, right? But, but most of us have the experience of, of knowing the right thing, of having the right information, and still doing the wrong thing, going the wrong way, walking down the wrong path, for example. Uh, you may have known that this person wasn't good, good for you, but you dated them anyway, right? Or, or may, maybe you knew the right thing to say, but you just didn't want to say it. Or, or, uh, or, or maybe uh, you, you gave into a temptation, even though you knew it would hurt you and others, uh, right? May, Maybe, uh, maybe you, you, you took a job that you knew wasn't a good fit and you hated your life the entire time you worked it. And, and that's what happens when we have understanding, when we have knowledge, when we have facts, when we have experiences without wisdom. Now, uh, on the other side of the coin, the same coin, uh, 
this happens, right? When we think that knowing more will make us more competent decision makers, we often get stuck in an investigative vortex, right? You overthinkers know what I'm talking about, where you're like, if I just know more, then I'll, I'll be able to make the right decision. And so you, 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 uh, you assess uh, all the risks, uh, you make contingency plans, uh, you, you do all the fact checking, you look for all your Amazon options, right? You, you do all of the research, and, and, and all of a sudden you've, you've found that the moment has passed you by. She decided to date somebody else. Fellas, you've been there, right? You overthought it. Uh, uh, he gave the job to, to your nemesis, right? Uh, or or uh, the ministry moment passed you by. Are you with me? Where it's like uh, you, you spent some, so much time trying uh, to decide what the right decision was that the decision was no longer yours to make. And, and this is what happens when we start by, by uh, trying to, to gain more understanding uh, in, in making decision-making. Uh, when, when we look for wis- wisdom and the, right, the wise choice, and making decisions with information. Uh, Information without the core of wisdom uh, doesn't actually make you more confident, more decisive, or more effective in the decisions you you make. And and that's really the first thing that you've got to to understand and consider is that uh, you have to recognize that your understanding will always be limited. You can write that down. You you have to recognize that your understanding will always be limited. Uh, It's an amazing thing uh, to realize and to recognize uh, because when you recognize this fact, it frees you from needing all the information to move forward. It, it frees you from, from overthinking decisions. Now, that doesn't mean that understanding or knowledge or information is bad. It just means it's not the starting point. Uh, and um, it, it's not the place that we were called uh, to start uh, pursuing and understanding what wise decision-making is. And, and um, this, is, this is why God pleads with his people to live by faith not by sight. This is a, a pretty famous verse that, that uh, man, is, uh, is so helpful to look at. And so uh, we're going to look at Proverbs 3, uh, verse 5, and it says this, uh, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own, what? Understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. In other words, he's saying, if you want to know which way to go, left or right, if you want to know what the wise choice is, uh, don't depend on your understanding. He says, uh, your own understanding will let you down. Instead, he says what? He says, trust the Lord. Isn't that an interesting conclusion? Uh, the book of Proverbs is the book about making wise choices. And he says, don't depend on your understanding. And here's why. Our understanding is always limited. Here's what he's, here's what he's saying. When the scriptures say don't depend on your own understanding, it's essentially saying this. Uh, you shouldn't let how much you know dictate what you do. Or, or let me say it another way. You shouldn't let, let how much you know dictate what you don't do. Uh, just because, and, and this is so often uh, why we don't do things that are really good for us. We think to ourselves, I don't really know how that's going to work out. Anybody ever been there? I don't really know, man, how this is going to work out. I don't know if this is going to, if, if the outcome is going to be as good as I hope it will be, so I just won't bother. And this is what happens when we, we uh, leverage our understanding and making decisions is uh, we, we overthink and we don't. We don't move forward. Uh, or, or we make a decision with, without all the necessary information, right? Because you don't know what you don't know. Uh, and, uh, and so God pleads with us to trust him. And, and really, that's what I love about, about God. Like in, in my life, he so consistently reminds me, uh, Ben, I know more than you, right? I know more than you. He's like, I, I got this figured out. You, you can't actually figure this problem out. It's too big. You, you, can't, you can't predict the future. You can't see three steps ahead. I, I see uh, into eternity. 
Uh, Paul says it this way. Check this out. This is a, this is a cool verse, uh, and, and he says this. Uh, when I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child, but when I grew up, I put away childish things. I used to read this and think, yeah, I put away childish things. I'm, I'm an adult. I'm smart, but this is not what he's saying. Listen to this next verse. He says this. Uh, now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror, but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. He's talking about heaven, and he says this. All that I know is partial and incomplete. But then I will know everything completely, just as God knows me completely. In, in other words, Paul is saying, the older I get, the more I realize I, I just, I can't know everything. Isn't that so, so true? In fact, Albert Einstein said something similar. He said, the more I know, the more I realize I don't know. You guys ever hear that quote? He, he's just kind of quoting the apostle Paul. Paul says, man, I thought I grew, I thought I grew up, but, but the more I get, get older and wiser and smarter, the more I realize that, that there are things that I just cannot know. I mean, just think about it, for example, right? How, how difficult is, to, is it to know uh, what your friend is thinking or how they feel about you? Uh, like, how, how do we know what's in people's heart? Uh, uh, you, you can't apart from them telling you or showing you. And even when they show you and tell you, sometimes you're not actually sure that they mean it, right? It's, it's so difficult to know. There's some things that we cannot know. And, and, and so when we lean on our own understanding, we're, we're, we're really leveraging things um, that, uh, that we can never know fully. He, he essentially says this, in life, I just feel like I'm piecing things together. It, it's like a, it's like a, a half-finished painting. I do not know what the end result will look like, right? Isn't that kind of what it, life is like? You're like, it seems like things are working out, but, but this could take a dark turn, right? He's like, I'm, I'm just piecing it together. I don't have all the information. It's like a partial painting. Now, in, in life, you can have all the information, uh, but here's the, the problem is you'll never know what you're missing. Like, you don't know what you don't know, right? And, and so, so God says, uh, recognize that, that your understanding will always be limited and, and, it, and this is why this is important. Let me give you a, a, a picture. Uh, sometimes uh, in order to build a house that, that, can, that can stand the test of time, you've got to clear some debris. Uh, you've got to clear off the foundation. And, and, and uh, a lot of times in our lives, uh, we, we rely so heavily on information, on, on, uh, on reasoning and understanding, uh, that, that uh, we, uh, we remove our ability to hear from the Lord. And we remove our ability uh, to trust him and to live by faith because we're so focused on what Google says uh, that we're not hearing what God says. And, and so, man, when we recognize that your understanding is limited, limited it allows you to, to put understanding and information in its proper place. Again, information, not bad. Great. I love information. So, so that's the first point uh, of starting to become wise. Uh, but, but here's the key. This is the most important point that I'll make tonight, and you can write it down. Starting to become wise uh, uh, begins when we recognize that wisdom begins with an attitude, not information. Recognize that wisdom begins with an attitude, not information. Uh, this is a, a humbling point for a person like me, not because I'm really smart or, or well-informed, but because I like information a lot. I like asking questions. If you've spent uh, any time with me, I'll ask, you, I'll ask you probably like 40 questions in 30 minutes. And uh, I love gathering data. I love thinking. In fact, I was a philosophy major. People still laugh at me for it. In fact, uh, this is not in my notes, but I, I went to uh, an Easter service at another church a couple years ago with my family out of town, and uh, the, the pastor starts out a sermon this way. He says, uh, I was a philosophy major. My family all looks at me and starts laughing. <laughs> it, was, it was a thing, right? Because I love thinking and information. Uh, it's not relevant. Okay. But, uh, uh, but and then I went to seminary, which is like uh, theology, grad school for nerds, and, and, and I just, I, I laid this foundation for my life uh, of information. 
of knowing, of understanding. And can I tell you that, that uh, knowing is helpful, uh, but it is not essential. In, in fact, listen, listen to how Proverbs 9 describes this the start of wisdom. In fact, this is really the hinge of the book of wisdom. Uh, the, the author says, the fear of the Lord is the what? Beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is inside. And then this is so cool. For by me, your days will be multiplied and years will be added to your life. Now, uh, when, when we approach our life and our decision-making, uh, we, we, we uh, uh, replace that word me with other words. For, for by a good strategy, my days will be multiplied. Uh, for, for by great facts, my days will be multiplied. For, for by great experience, my days will be multiplied. But God says, no, 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 no. It's not understanding. It's not information. It's by me, uh, a fear of the Lord. This is the attitude that begins to produce wisdom in us. It, it's, uh, and here, here's just uh, a thing that's really cool about this. Can I can just put it in perspective for you? Uh, this is such good news, uh, especially if you're like a D minus student, uh, right? Like it, it, what God is saying is like, I, I don't discriminate uh, the wisdom that I give to people based on their intelligence. Like your IQ, your IQ number, not important if you want to be a wise person, which is really cool, right? Like the D minus student uh, can be, uh, uh, has, as, has as much access to wisdom as a Smith camper, Right? In the same way, right, you can be a straight-A student who always has the right answers, who knows, knows all of the right answers when, when you're asked, and, and you, can, you can just as easily miss out on making wise, choi- uh, wise choices and being a wise person as the high school dropout. God, is, God doesn't discriminate with wisdom, with, with the ability to make good decisions and walk through uh, dark and doubt-filled seasons. Isn't that cool? Like that, that whoever you are, you, you can uh, become wise that you can know the right way to go, like, right? It's, it's pretty sweet. I like that. Uh, and, uh, and here's the deal. Uh, the attitude that God says is the start of wisdom, wisdom is uh, the fear of the Lord, uh, the fear of the Lord. Now, fear of the Lord is a loaded phrase, is it not? In fact, every time we hear the word fear, we think bad, right? Danger, no good. Fear of the Lord, you guys, right? fear of the Lord is a loaded phrase. And, and here's the problem. Many Christians ha- have really never walked with any real confidence before the Lord uh, because they've never taken the time to understand this attitude, to, to understand what it, what it means to, to walk in the fear of the Lord. And, and, uh, and here's the deal. You, you may be looking for answers to a question or, or answers in a tough decision, uh, but, but God really he wants you to adopt this attitude. So uh, I, I just want to briefly look at uh, two characteristics of the fear of the Lord so that, so that you can feel confident that uh, you're walking in the fear of the Lord uh, so that you can be a person who's receiving wisdom from the Lord. Sound good? All right. That sounds good. Okay, here we go. Uh, here's, the, here's the first characteristic, and it's so cool. Uh, the fear of the Lord, it keeps us humble to receive. You can write that down. The fear of the Lord keeps us humble to receive. Now, fear uh, doesn't mean being threatened. Uh, that's often the first place my mind goes when I read the fear of the Lord. You picture him sort of uh, uh, standing uh, over you and, and menacingly threatening you, do what's right or else. That's where my mind goes. Uh, but here's, here's the, the cool thing about fear, right? You can be afraid of something without it being threatening. Uh, th- think about it this way. Uh, we, we fear the edge of a really tall cliff uh, because we know the fall is too great for us. Right? It's, it's not imposing or threatening us in any way. It's just, it's just dangerous. Uh, we, we fear electricity because its voltage can kill us. Right? Or, or here's a more abstract one. Uh, we fear the truth uh, because it can expose what's really going on in our heart and what we really think about 
uh, the people in our lives. Are you, are you with me? And, and, and these things, they, they're, they're powerful and, and they, they, they're dangerous. They, they can affect us in, in positive or in negative ways. And, and, and this is, man, one of the first characteristics of, uh, of fear in the Lord. It's, it's having this respect for the power that God has. Uh, C.S. Lewis, he captured this idea. Uh, you probably heard this before if you've been in church for a while, but in, in a, the story of the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe, there's this a little talking beaver and, uh, and this girl named Susan. You guys are familiar if you're not. Talking beavers are pretty cute. And, uh, and he, he's talking to her about the king, Aslan, and he says, he says this, uh, Aslan is a lion, the lion, the great lion. Oh, said Susan, I, I, I thought he was a man. Uh, is, is he quite safe? I, I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe. Lions aren't safe, right? Uh, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. Now, that's, uh, that's the fear of the Lord in a nutshell. Uh, people who fear the Lord, they're a bit uneasy when they think about uh, God's power and his authority. It's like a child approaching a lion, right? Like, you would be foolish to, to, uh, to approach a lion without some trepidation, you see, people who fear the Lord, they, they recognize that they can't control God, and they also recognize uh, that God has the power to either bless them uh, or, or judge them. It is his prerogative and his authority to do, the, to do those things. And so when we are living with the fear of the Lord, it makes us humble. It, 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 it make, makes us uh, realize that, that we actually aren't in control, that we're actually a, quite a bit smaller than we often think we are apart from considering who God is and what you can do. In fact, uh, there's this really cool verse. Uh, it says basically that humility and the fear of the Lord are synonymous. Uh, check this out in Proverbs 22.4. I got it in the wrong spot. Sorry, guys. Uh, it says in Proverbs 22.4, it says, humility is the fear of the Lord. Its wages are riches and honor and life. It, you see, uh, this, is, this is so neat. It's a, it says uh, that uh, the, the fear of the Lord, humility, it, it leads us to, to riches and honor and life. Isn't that cool? Right? Like, and here's, here's my point. It's like, it says humility, the fear of the Lord, it, it, it allows us to begin to live this way, right? God, what do you have for me? God, I know you're powerful. I know you're capable. I know you're dangerous. I know you have authority. I know I can't control you, but, but what would you have me do? Like, what would you like to give to me? Like, where would you have me go? You see how it works, right? If, if you aren't in control and he, he, he gets to decide how things play out, uh, then it begin, you begin to approach him like this. God, I, I'm small, what would you have me do? That's, that's the promise of wisdom. It makes us humble to receive God's help. Now, uh, imagine in a, in a moment of doubt, uh, if, if, you, uh, if you receive from him, like how much confidence would that grow in you to know either where you should go or you shouldn't go? Like imagine in a moment of darkness and despair, if, if you heard his voice, like wouldn't, wouldn't that not make you more confident moving forward to know, uh, to know what God has to say about what you are experiencing? Like it, it, this, is, this is what the fear of the Lord begins to do for us. It, begins, uh, to, it causes us to, to approach him with humility and with open hands. And when you fear the Lord, your life is characterized by receiving God's help. Uh, you're connected to his power in a life-giving way. That's what humility does for us. It, it puts us in a position to re- receive from him. Check out this verse. It's, it's, a, it's a great one. Uh, you may have heard it before, but 1 Peter 5, uh, 5, it says this, God opposes the proud uh, but gives favor to the humble. I think it's on your outline. God, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Now, that verse alone, that should kind of scare you, right? In other words, he's saying, 
Uh, God could be opposed to the things that I'm doing and I'm thinking and I'm feeling. God, God could be resisting these things. Like the God who made everything, who's all, all powerful, who's, who's lion-like, lion and lamb, right? Uh, he, he could be opposed to what I'm doing. Like that's kind of scary, is it not? And then he says, but uh, he gives grace, favor to the humble. And then he says this, uh, so humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Now, where does uh, Peter say that humble people position themselves? Under God's mighty hand, under his power, his authority, uh, under his, his strength and his wisdom. He says, so that he might lift them up. You see, hum- humility allows us to receive, receive God's grace. It positions us under the water, waterfall of God's grace. It's, it's the attitude, and this is such a cool thing, it's the attitude that ends our wrestling with God. Now, uh, uh, one of the things that, that was characteristic of my life as a, as a, uh, a teenager and as a, as a college student was I was always wrestling to understand. Always The question, why, consumed me. Like, why, God? Like, why does it work that way? Like, why did you say say this? This seems to not make any sense with the way that I am seeing the world. Like, why? And and here's the the deal. uh, I I struggled to feel confident in any decision because I didn't understand why. I was wrestling to understand instead of surrendering to the Lord's command. There were things that I knew God was telling me to do, but I, I just wasn't interested in doing them because I didn't understand. And, and here's the thing, is, is until we fear the Lord, uh, we will love understanding and information and knowing what's ahead uh, more than we'll be willing to obey him, uh, more than, than we're willing to receive from him and, and, and appreciate what he has to offer us. You see, people who fear the Lord, uh, they're not dependent on understanding, they're dependent on what God has to say to them. They're eager to hear from him. They want to know, God, where should I go? And then that brings us to the second characteristic uh, of the fear of the Lord. Uh, the fear of the Lord, it makes us eager to obey. It makes us eager to obey. Uh, again, it's worth saying that the fear of the Lord uh, is not uh, the fear of a threat. Uh, God isn't looking down on you, holding a belt, waiting for you to make a mistake. We know this isn't the way that God relates to us in view of the cross. Uh, Jesus takes God's wrath and his punishment. Uh, but God can be opposed to what you're doing. In other words, uh, God can decide that, that what you're doing is not good for you, and he can choose not to bless you. Uh, God can choose to decide that the way you're going is not, not going to lead you to health and life and, and, and comfort and peace, uh, but instead a pain and heartache. And so he'll, he'll oppose what you're doing. He won't, he won't bless what is sinful or proud. You see, the fear of the Lord, uh, it reminds us that, that God is in control. Uh, that God is good. Uh, and, and here's the deal. Uh, you'll be afraid of the power of electricity until, until someone's heart stops, right? And then you'll be desperate for the defibrillator, right? It, you'll be desperate for his power uh, to shock them back to life. Man, this is what happens when we fear the Lord. We're desperate for God's, God's intervention in our, in our problems and our struggles and, and in our, our, um, our life. You see, the fear of the Lord is marked for a desperation for his grace and truth and power and help. 
It's a deep hunger to experience his life and his love. We, we say as believers, man, I, I want, man, I want to, I want to humble myself so that I can receive more of your, of your grace. You, you might say the fear of the Lord is this. You, you, you could characterize it this way: uh, the fear of the Lord is just a healthy FOMO. It's, it's the fear of missing out on what God wants to give you. Isn't that so different than, than the fear of being punished? The fear of missing out on what God wants to give you. John fifteen nine through eleven. Uh, Jesus talking about obedience uh, will we'll help you see what I mean. He, he says this, uh, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Now, uh, you're like, well, how does that have to do with anything? There's nothing about fear, there's nothing about wisdom, but, but here's the point. Uh, he says, I- I've loved you even as my father has loved me. Remain in my love. Those words terrify me. Y- here's why. What he's saying is this. Uh, I can step out of the love of God. You may have been so close with the Lord. You, you may have heard his voice regularly. But, but it-, it is possible to step out of the love of God or, or in, I guess. <laughs> right? You-, you can step out of it. And, and it's, it's a terrifying thought for believers because Jesus is our source. He's our hope. He's our life. He, he's our guide. He's our shelter. He's our refuge. It, it should, this verse should terrify you because, because this is characteristic of, of, of the life of faith. It's, we, fear, we, we fear the Lord because we know that he is the author of life, our source. And, and you can miss out on the love of God. You can step out of it. And, and how do you step out of it? It's when, when you refuse to obey his commandments. In other words, uh, oftentimes as, as Christians we think, uh, I have to obey so I can earn God's love. Uh, and, and that's not what he's saying. He's saying uh, it, when you obey, you connect yourself to the source. You connect yourself to the vine. Isn't that cool? And, and, and here's why we, we plead with you from the stage on Sundays, on Thursdays, all of the days, right? Man, would you, would you uh, by faith obey the Lord? It's because when, when, you, when you're obedient, uh, to, to follow the Lord, you, you begin uh, to, to experience him show up in your life in incredible ways. Uh, and uh, I'm going to skip this next verse and just, just sort of illustrate what I mean. Uh, my friend, uh, Stephen, he moved to Arizona. You, you guys know him. Uh, he, he moved to Arizona to go to school. And uh, before he left, he felt like the Lord uh, um, put on his heart to talk to his friend. I don't know if I've told you this story before, but uh, he put it on his heart. Uh, the Lord put it on Stephen's heart to talk to his friend who doesn't know Jesus. And he's really scared to do this, right? Because uh, when you're like, hey, can I tell you about Jesus? People kind of like do this, right? And, and so he's like, he's nervous. He's thinking about how he should go about bringing Jesus up. Uh, he, but he sets up the appointment. Uh, he was eager to obey. Uh, and um, and uh, so he, he sits down with his friend and, uh, and they're talking, small talk. And the friend's like, hey, I, I need to talk to you. Like, I've been really anti-Christian for a while. Uh, but I was realizing that, like, the things that I don't like about Christians are just the things that, like, uh, that I do. Like, hey, can we talk about Jesus? Like, isn't that cool? Isn't that so amazing? He's like, man, I'm really afraid to do this, God, but like, but you think I'm supposed to, so, so let's go, right? And, uh, and here's the deal. Uh, uh, Stephen, uh, over the summer, we've been doing this one-on-one discipleship thing, and, and, and as we've done it, he, he's, uh, he's begun to grow in his fear of the Lord. Not, not his fear that God is mad at him, but his fear that, that, uh, that his life will be marked by missing the God moments that God has laid before him. And, and so, so he's, he's grown in, in the fear of the Lord and he's grown in this eagerness to obey him. 
And dude, this dude is like experiencing God do crazy things in his life. Like, like every like three days, he texts me, hey, guess what happened? Like, uh, so-and-so, I, can I give you another one? This is cool. Uh, so uh, Stephen uh, moved to uh, the town that's like 15 minutes from my, my friend Best Man Dan's house. Best Man Dan is my best man. Uh, and, uh, uh, and so uh, I was like, hey, uh, here's Dan's number. Go to church with him, right? So he brings like three friends to church, and they sit down in church with Dan. And uh, the dude in front of them uh, is, uh, is a dude I went to high school with. He's just there for the first time. And uh, God's like lining him up. They're connecting. He's meeting people like from his hometown. And, and it's just so cool. Like he's, he's bringing people to church. He's already discipling a dude. And he's like, and here's the thing. As Stephen's telling me all these stories, uh, it, it's like you can see the joy just overflow out of him. Like there's just this fire in his bones. He's just fired up to be obedient to the Lord because there's joy in it. Isn't that cool? It's like when you see God move, it gives you incredible joy. Does it not? Like, like the, think about the moment, like if you're a believer, right? Think about the moment that you saw God change something in your heart, your mind, your life, your circumstances. Isn't that like a moment that you like, you never forget? And, and Stephen's like, he's having these moments over and over and over again. Every time he's texting me or calling me, he's like, hey, you wouldn't believe what happened. Hey, you pray for this? Like, like God's doing these things. And it's, it's so, so cool because this is what Jesus says. He says, I tell you these things. I tell you, hey, uh, obey me so that you can remain in my love. And he, tell, he says, I tell you these things so that you may be full of joy. That, and, and not just full, he says, that, that your joy might be overflowing. Are, are you people who are overflowing with joy? Hey, is that like every day for you? I know that there have been seasons in my life, in my life where joy felt like the furthest, the thing that was the most out of reach. And, and uh, uh, when I began to ask myself this question, uh, it, it felt a lot closer. Uh, when, when my life is empty of joy, it, uh, I ask myself this question, uh, is there something that I'm uh, uh, refusing to obey? Is there something that God, you know God has told you to do? That, that you've seen in Scripture, you felt His Holy Spirit convict you of, that you're just, you're just not interested in doing. And, and what Jesus says, right? You take Jesus' word for it. You don't have to believe me. What Jesus says is, uh, it, when, when you obey my, my voice, when you obey my commands, when you, when you do what I ask you to do, you step into my love. You, you, you put yourself under the waterfall of my grace, and you begin to see me move in your life. You see, because uh, obedience is, is the mechanism that God gives us to walk with him. Because he's going somewhere. Are you willing to go with him? Because when, when you do, your life, it, it, it begins to overflow and exude joy. That's what obedience does in your life. When, we're, when we hear God's voice and we're eager to obey, we experience a move. It's, it's as simple as that. And, and, I, and I wonder, uh, for, for many of you, if, if uh, your faith has, has been reduced to um, uh, volunteerism, if your faith has been reduced to doing the things that you think you're supposed to do, instead of actually man, hearing from God, of receiving from his word, of, of, of listening and, and, and hearing the voice of his Holy Spirit, and in and, 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 and doing that, you, you've disconnected yourself from, from the commands of Jesus, the specific commands he has for you. I want you to go here. I want you to pray for this person. And I want you to give this up. And I want you to, to confess this sin. I, I, I want you to do X and not really worry about what everyone else is doing. Isn't that so often how we live out the life of faith? We, we look at other people and we sort of imitate them. Uh, but, but here's what Paul says. He says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. He says, hey, hey, look at Jesus. Hear from Jesus. 
Like, what, what would it look like? Do you think that you might experience more joy if you heard his voice and you, walked, you stepped into it? You see, without the attitude of the fear of the Lord, uh, you won't live open to where God is leading you. Like, you, you, you'll replace God's voice with human advice. Without this attitude, you'll feel little, little motivation to walk in obedience because you have no fear of missing out. Uh, you, you, have, you have no fear uh, of, uh, of what you're not receiving. Now, uh, one question as, as we close. Uh, how, how do I adopt this attitude? How do, I, how do I begin to fear the Lord? Because you may be saying to yourself, well, I, I really don't think I do. I don't live my life this way. Now, I don't live my, my life eager to obey his voice. I, I don't even feel like I'm, I'm receiving anything from him. How do I, how do I begin to fear the Lord? And uh, if you, you guys remember uh, a month or two back, we had a bunch of, like, earthquakes. Yeah, you remember that? And they're shaking, and it's like, some people are really scared of them. Other people are like, that's kind of cool, right? But, but everybody said uh, the next day, hey, did you feel the earthquake, right? That's what you heard, right? Uh, you guys with me? Did you, did you feel it? You saw, like, the, the videos of people in L.A., like, putting on makeup and, like, makeup going across the face. And they're like, ah, right? But, but every person, right, every person after the earthquake, they said, did you, did you feel the earthquake? Right? That was what they said. Now, uh, there's this moment. I was thinking about the, the times where, where Jesus uh, produced terror in people. Not very many. Uh, it's, it's interesting, right? Uh, there's one moment that, c- that came to mind, though. Uh, Jesus, he dies on the cross, right? He, he dies for the sins of the world on the cross. And, and the entire time, he's loving people, right? Uh, from the cross, he looks down at, at, his, at his mom and, it, and his, uh, his disciple, John. He says, take care of my mom, right? This is what Jesus does when he's dying. Like, this is like the, the God that we call Lord, right? The, the dude that we're trying to hear from. He's like loving his mom as he's suffering, right? And then he says, uh, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing, right? This, these are the words that Jesus, as he's dying and suffering and, and in agony, right? And, and experiencing separation from God because the next thing he says, right, is, uh, uh, um, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Which, is, which means the God he's always walked in step with, he's always heard from, he's, he's been, uh, uh, been close with. In fact, uh, he's part of the Trinity. So uh, Jesus is one with God the Father, right? So he's, he's separated, he's like, his spirit is ripped in two, right? And, and so Jesus, Jesus is going to say, God, where are you, right? And, and then the last thing he says, it is finished, right? And, and, and then this is what happens. This is so, it, it was crazy. It came to my mind. And uh, it says, and, uh, and there was a great earthquake and the sky went dark. Now, uh, uh, do you know who, uh, who was watching this happen? The whole thing. He was there for the whole process. The dude named Centurion, right? A soldier, uh, unnamed soldier, I guess his name's not Centurion, but, uh, uh, but the soldier, right? He's, he's standing there. He's walking with Jesus. He carries a cross up a hill, right? He's, he's there when, when the sky goes black in the middle of the day and, and the earth begins to shake, and it says that he was terrified. Now, you might think, he's scared because of the earthquake, right? And what do people say when there's an earthquake? Did you feel that? Right? <laughs> Did you feel that? But, but here, here it says he was terrified, but he didn't say, did you feel that? He said, truly, this was the Son of God. Isn't that interesting? Do, do you know why I think he was terrified? I don't think it was the earthquake. I don't think it was the, the sky going dark. This dude is a hardened soldier. He's seen, he's seen death. He's seen pain. He's seen heartache. He's been surprised quite a few times. And, and, and I don't think he said, I don't think that he was terrified because of the earthquake. 
because of the sky, because of watching someone die and suffer. I, I think he was scared because he realized that the entire time he was standing there, uh, he, he was missing out on hearing from the one who was right. He was missing out on the one who could save him, right? So truly this is the Son of God, the Savior. And here, here's, here's really the secret to become people who fear the Lord. It, it, when we look at the cross and we realize uh, that, that while man, God was trying to save us and lead us and guide us and give to us, uh, we, we were sinning uh, against his name. We, we were doing the wrong thing. Hey, we, we, were, we were doing things that, that nailed him to a cross. That, 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 that the thing uh, that separates us from him is us, not God abandoning us. Do you see how that works? That we should be so, so afraid that, that our attitude would rob us of what God wants to give us. And that's the root of the fear of the Lord. And, and man, I, I, I worry, I worry about us as a, as a ministry and as a church. Because, man, so many people, they, they go through the motions, they do all of the churchy things, but they, they aren't marked by this desperation and longing to hear from Jesus. Uh, they, they're not marked by this eagerness to obey him in small things. To say, God, I, I know that you've said this to me, but, but it seems too scary it seems too difficult. It costs too much. I, I can't do that. It, you, you see, we're more afraid of the outcome than we are of missing out on what he wants to give us. What would it look like if we, if we begin to cultivate and adopt this attitude uh, of, God, I, I just don't want to miss out. We begin to live with the fear of the Lord. I, I can tell you one thing that I know for sure because I've seen it, I've experienced it, and, and it's incredibly, it's, it's alone this is worth it. God will begin to meet you and move in your life in such a way that you overflow with joy. It's amazing. What would it look like, right? If we were a people uh, who, who were so, so connected to the source, our hope, our defender, our protector, that, uh, that we were just overflowing with joy. Would, would that not change our life? Would that not change the impact that we have? Would that not change the way that we approach school? Would that not change uh, the way that we make decisions? How, how confident would you be uh, if you knew that your heart was, was open to what God is trying to give you? Because uh, we're not missing out on what God's trying to give us because he's not giving us things. It's, it's, a, it's a lack of this attitude. That's what the scripture teaches us. And, and wisdom, it begins with receiving from him. Because wisdom comes from him. Because God reminds us, right? Last point. That, that he's smarter than us. He knows better than us. He understands where we do not. Uh, let me pray for you, and then we'll sing one song and, and call it a night. Father God, uh, thanks so much that you're God who gives. Uh, God, we know that you give because you gave your son on our behalf. Uh, you've, you've forgiven us. Uh, God, and I pray, Lord, that you would, you would uh, speak into our hearts at the areas where, man, we've, we've entrusted you for salvation We've entrusted uh, uh, our lives to you for forgiveness, uh, but we haven't trusted you with our decisions. And, and we haven't trusted you to show up in our lives in power and move. God, I pray that you would speak to our life, man, the, the, the place, you would remind us of the place that you've been asking us to obey, and you would give us courage and an eagerness to step into it, that we might see you move and, and see you transform our hearts, that we might overflow with joy. Now, um, 
if, uh, if you're a person here tonight and you're like, man, I, uh, I have not been walking in obedience. I know what I need to do, but I've been afraid to do it. I've been unwilling to do it. It seemed like it's cost too much. Um, man, I'd just love to pray for you uh, that God will give you courage to say yes to him. Uh, and so just with your heads bowed, if, man, if you're a person who's like, I know what I need to do, but I've been unwilling to do it and I've, I feel like I'm empty. Uh, would, you just, would you just raise your hand? And uh, man, I'd love to pray for you. Is anybody there? Um, thank you. Anybody else? Let me pray for you. Thank you, God, for, for these people who are willing uh, to be honest about where they're at. Uh, uh, for these people who are, who are, who are eager uh, to receive from you, but, but are afraid to step into what you're calling them to step into. God, I, I pray that you would provide them with community uh, to encourage them towards those things. God, that you would help them be honest with other believers about what they're struggling with, that they might uh, have people sh- sharing the burden. Uh, God, I pray that you would give them courage to step into these things quickly. And, and God, that you would give them eyes to see the ways that you're moving. Uh, God, help us to trust you. Help us to live by faith. Uh, make us wise uh, that we might know how to walk through the dark. Uh, thank you for the way you love us. God, I pray that you would, uh, you would bless each person as we sing. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen.